Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you on a Wednesday live from the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. Talking a little NBA, hoping to be joined by our senior analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel. And I was going to ask him about this one, Wes, and I, and I will ask you. Uh, the Trailblazers at the Cavaliers this evening, 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern. And for all of those that had the Cavaliers catching 12.5 points on Tuesday night, let's go ahead and revisit that because I'm sure they're happy to uh, dive in further to that disaster for Cavaliers betters. But how do they respond? What do they do for an encore, West? Talk to me. I don't know if you, I'm sure you saw that result against the Phoenix Suns, but what do they do for an encore tonight against Portland? They're catching double digits again. Yeah, to recap what happened last night, if you hadn't uh, seen it already, overtime, it goes to in Cleveland last night. And Cavaliers getting 12 and a half. So you're thinking five minute overtime. You're good here getting 12 and a half. Not so much though. Phoenix 20 to four in the overtime to cover not only win, but cover against the Cleveland Cavaliers as 12 and a half point road favorites. You very rarely see that. We oftentimes see, okay, overtime is where underdogs go to die, but not a death like this, Brady. Not a 12-and-a-half-point uh, yeah, dog, right? usually it's like, okay, I'm getting five. I'm going to lose by seven. That happens, uh, especially in the NBA. But it doesn't usually happen like this. So now uh, Cleveland is going to get the Portland Trailblazers. Obviously, Cleveland is out of the playoffs. Uh, Portland trying to improve that seeding. I believe right now Portland is in Six the number hole, seven no, seven, spot. seven hole. Yeah, they're just a game back of the Lakers. And the Lakers now with LeBron going to miss the next couple games. They're trying to kind of figure out their rotation. So there is a possibility that Portland could have perhaps overtake the Los Angeles Lakers for that six spot. Cleveland has now lost seven in a row. They've had some guys in and out of the lineup, including Colin Sexton, uh, trying to see if he's a go tonight. Darius Garland is going to be out tonight. So it's like when they have one guard in, they have another guard out of the lineup. So Cleveland just has not been able to uh, stay healthy. Damian Lillard upgraded to probably been dealing with a little bit of a foot issue. So he is going to go ahead and give it a go. Portland did lose on Monday against Atlanta. This is actually their last game of the road trip for the Portland Trailblazers. They went ahead and not only won in Indiana, won in Memphis, won in Brooklyn, won in Boston, and then they fell to Atlanta on Monday. So they've already, already got that winning trip in hand. So at worst, they're going to go four and two if they lose tonight. So Portland's kind of playing with house money. Looking at the screen right now, this is up to 12 and a half at Circa Sports. So people are just fading Cleveland because Cleveland is, for all intents and purposes, done, officially eliminated for the playoffs. So that's why I think you're seeing a little bit of a move to Portland. This is going to be a stay away for me, though. Top of the second inning in Cincinnati, deuces wild with two on, two out, and two strikes. And Sonny Gray gets the whiff. And they will move to the bottom of the second inning. Still no score between the Reds and the White Sox. Yeah, I, I would be on the Portland side as well. Uh, I mean, how does Cleveland recover from that? And it seems like they expended all their energy to take that game to overtime and such a letdown. The one danger spot, though, here for Portland is that not only last game of the trip, you also get the Lakers on Friday night yeah. who you're competing with for that for that spot. I think all of that maybe makes it a pass. Yeah, and that's why I'm probably going to leave it alone. I certainly I don't think want any part of Cleveland right now who's ready for the season to be over but you're laying 12 on the road 12 and a half at Circa is the high in the market so 
It's a little bit much to lay on the road here at this standpoint. The Suns at the Hawks, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And and what does Phoenix do for an encore? They've really had some close shaves in their last two games, Wes. Of course, you remember, you know, you were talking about the sulfur plant, the stink mm-hmm. where the uh, OKC Thunder at home hosting the Phoenix Suns the other night ended up losing by just three points. They were catching 15 and a half or 16, and the Thunder really gave the Suns a run for their money. And then, of course, last night with the Cleveland Cavaliers taking Phoenix to overtime. Now, I typically like to fade a team that's on a back-to-back after going to overtime, but uh, what do you do here against a very good Hawks team uh, tonight? Uh, and, you know, the Hawks obviously have been playing good basketball. They're in the playoff picture, and now the Phoenix Suns, they've kind of reached that goal it, it, so far anyway. They got into a tie for first place in the West with the Utah Jazz. Last game of a quick three-game trip for Phoenix here. They, of course, beat Oklahoma City and then Cleveland last night in overtime. Phoenix coming back home on Friday to get the Knicks. And now Phoenix and Utah tied in the Western Conference for the top seed. Phoenix has made it very clear, Monty Williams and the entire team, that they want to go for this number one seed. This is not a team that has had a lot of playoff success. And now they have a veteran with Chris Paul to kind of lead this talented group of young players, namely Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and company. So, They're trying to really go for it here, so they're not taking off any games or really resting guys. I guess where I would go here, I would lean a little bit to the over. Even though these two teams do not play like really quick, up-tempo type paces, I think you've got some healthy teams here now with Trey Young back, with Clint Capella back on the Atlanta side. So would lean a little bit to the over. I think one is about right, but just kind of looking recently what we've seen, Phoenix on a 12-5-1 overrun. Atlanta, ninth in offensive rating since the All-Star break. Phoenix, by the way, third in offensive rating since the All-Star break. So if I were to go anywhere, I would go with the over in this spot. Yeah, it looks like we're seeing a slight move towards Atlanta and the over, and I would agree with both of those. The over makes sense if you've got tired legs for the Phoenix Suns going back-to-back here and into overtime on Tuesday night, and and I agree with you. I think they'll run up and down the floor a little bit, and uh, Atlanta taking the money for what I said there. Again, the fact that they're back-to-back on overtime, probably a good spot to catch Phoenix uh, not quite on their A game. The Kings and the Pacers, your Indiana Pacers, Wes, they are still in the picture for a play-in game in the Eastern Conference. The Kings are as well, uh, but took a step back with a loss the other night. Uh, I know Will Hill was on the Kings laying five points. It did not work out. Yeah, this is a really difficult spot, I think, to to handicap here because we got the news last night, another one of the Woj bombs from Adrian Wojnarowski saying that Nate Bjorkren, not all that safe right now in Indianapolis as the Pacers head coach. This, of course, Bjorkren's first year. He was on that Nick Nurse staff in Toronto, but... Very disappointing. Now, the Pacers have had a lot of injuries this year, but they have not played well. I think there was a little bit more expected out of them. I know uh, some of our experts here on Visa and the Talk NBA have said that really liked the Pacers going into the season, and I like the Pacers going into the season. Then very quickly, you kind of figured out, okay, something's not quite right with this team. Miles Turner's still out of the lineup, so of course, That makes them worse on defense, but does make them better on offense. Sabonis back in the lineup. 
Sabonis, not the greatest defender in his own right. Malcolm Brogdon also questionable with a hamstring injury. And Kings have put together a couple good efforts lately. You kind of thought maybe that they were, they were jaking a little bit, but all of a sudden just three and a half back. So probably going to end up on the outside looking in, but not officially eliminated from the playoffs. They're now trying for their fourth straight victory. They did get a win in Dallas on Sunday, got a win in Oklahoma city last night. So I wasn't really sure what to do with that. Kind of lean a little bit to the over at 239 and a half because I've been riding that pacer over train and it's been working out that I mentioned a couple weeks ago when Miles Turner's been out of the lineup and then he came back for a game or two and then re-aggravated that toe injury. When he's out of the lineup, he's a very good defensive center. He's one of the best defensive post guys in the league, but he can kind of be a little bit of a black hole offensively because he, he is, that offensive game just has not developed. He's a guy who can step out and make shots, but he's not like a pure postman, not that there are very many more in, of those in today's NBA. So I, I don't know what to do on the side. I certainly don't want to lay it with the Pacers because I think if – Woj's report is to be believed. There is some dissension in the ranks with this team and with this organization. So if I'm getting involved here, I'm going over 239 and a half. Yeah, our buddy Will Hill was on the Kings uh, in the victory over uh, OKC on Tuesday night, but not by enough points. They win by four. I think he was laying five. They're catching six and a half with the Pacers this evening. Dallas Keuchel makes quick work of the Cincinnati Reds in the bottom of the second. Sonny Gray will head back to the hill in the top of the third. Still scoreless in that ball game. Cincinnati has one hit. Detroit yet to put a ball in uh, play safely just yet for the White Sox. Uh, the Wizards and the Bucks, Wes, 5 p.m. East, or excuse me, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And, and I felt like that was a really big win for Milwaukee on Tuesday over Brooklyn. They've now beaten the Nets twice in the last three days and they're just a game and a half behind them in the Eastern Conference. And Washington, they've been playing great. They've won eight out of their last ten. And we talked about you know, the spot for the Phoenix Suns or the Cleveland Cavaliers. This feels like a spot that could be ripe for a letdown mm -hmm. for the Bucks. And the betters have reacted to that. When I was looking at this game this morning, I saw seven as an opener. I saw it down to six and a half. We're down now to three and a half points that the Wizards are catching on the road. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's an injury thing here. If maybe they're anticipating that Giannis might sit on the back-to-back. -back. I was on the uh, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks last night on the small money line price. They, of course, got good there. By, good by you. Game ended up hanging under the total, too, if you watch that end game where okay, if you've got the over, you're looking good. I think 242 is where they were. I think it closed maybe a tad higher. And then Milwaukee, Brooklyn's not going to foul. They're just hoping to get a stop and maybe a timeout. Milwaukee misses, but get that out offensive rebound. And then there's about maybe 15 seconds left in the game. So Brooklyn decides not to foul. Mm -hmm. Milwaukee ends up getting the win. Situation-wise, I think this is a spot for Washington because keep in mind, Washington right now in the 10 spot, about three and a half ahead of Toronto. So they've got a little buffer to get into that play-in scenario, but they're only a half game back from the Pacers who they just beat the other night. So they're trying to maybe get up into this, perhaps into that 7-8 spot. I think they're two games back of Charlotte right now for that 8 spot. Of course, we know the 7-8 winner, if you win, you get the seven spot, and then the loser's got to play the winner of the nine ten in the, in the uh, this new playoff format here for the NBA. So, I want to say the Wizards here, but I think maybe you've already gotten the discount. I think the market is kind of assuming, or the odds makers are thinking. 
Greek freak or some starter is going to sit out for Milwaukee because I'd like to be getting a little bit more, but I do like Washington in terms of the spot perspective. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't real, uh, feel real safe catching three and a half, but it sure looked good this morning at six and a half. It is now a pass for me at this point. Should be a good one to watch. I hope Giannis plays, but it makes sense uh, that they would rest him after a back-to-back like that, or in a back-to-back, rather, off of a win over the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, good game out west, uh, wrapping up your NBA schedule for Wednesday. The Knicks and the Nuggets. The Nuggets are off of a loss. Uh, let's see, we've got three and a half here is the number they are laying to New York, who's been red hot as of late. A low total here, 215. You kind of thought maybe the other night when Memphis was the favorite against New York, okay, something's fishy here. Maybe that's the spot where the Knicks get gotten. They did not. They absolutely won as an underdog. So, you know, very, very hard to fade this team right now. They are absolutely on a roll right now. Second meeting between these two teams this season. Uh, Nuggets won big back in January in the Garden, 114 to 89. But obviously, this is a different Knicks team than the Nuggets played in January. This is a New York Knicks team that has won 12 of 13 games after beating Memphis on Monday night. Nuggets have had a lot of injuries this year. Nikola Jokic has kept them afloat. That's why he is going to be the overwhelming favorite to win the MVP award. They've won nine of the last 11, despite the fact that they lost against the Lakers on Monday night. Gosh, it's 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 really hard to go against the Knicks. You kind of think, okay, there's going to be a spot where eventually this is this run is going to end. And then as I'm looking at one of the national shows on our monitor here in the studio, you get these headlines, should the Nets feel threatened by the Knicks? So <laughs> the Knicks are, you know, it looks like there's a spot to go against them really soon because now all of a sudden when a team gets that national media hype, Brady, and we yeah, see this all right. the time in the NFL, especially. Reading the headlines. When they get that happen, not that they say humans always gets on me for saying reading their press clippings. He's like, these guys don't read newspapers anymore. I'm like, well, they read the Twitter and they watch the ESPN and the 24-hour sports services. But nevertheless, I'm probably going to pass here because I want to go against the Knicks. But, man, it's hard to get in front of this freight train right now. How about the Spurs and the Jazz in Utah? The Spurs are in the final play-in spot in the Western Conference, the 10-hole, and they've lost four straight. Now, Utah has won two in a row. They are now tied with Phoenix. Phoenix has finally caught the Jazz for the top spot in the conference. Utah lay in six and a half here at home with a total of 218 and a half. If you're looking for trends here, you actually have them favoring both sides. Utah, 21-11 and 11 in Salt Lake City at home this season. But the San Antonio Spurs are the best team against the spread on the road, 21-9-1. So uh, you really aren't going to probably get there in terms of a trend standpoint. Donovan Mitchell's still out with that ankle. He's probably going to miss until right about the playoffs. They want to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs. Utah has been okay, though, without him. 5-4, and four, maintain the best defensive rating in the NBA during that span without Mitchell. Fourth best net rating overall. Obviously, in terms of offense, they're a little bit different because they don't have the playmaker necessarily with Donovan Mitchell off the floor. San Antonio trying to kind of hang in right now. They are in that 10 spot, but New Orleans hasn't been able to rise up and put some real pressure on them. I believe two games back right now are the New Orleans Pelicans. So just looking at this, it's six and a half. 
If it got to maybe seven, seven and a half-ish, I'd be interested in the San Antonio side, but I think the number's about right. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm uh, going to stay away from this game for now, and I would think their plan with Mitchell is just keep him out, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe the last couple games, let him go, kind of get in game shape again. Because they're tied for the one seed right now. That's a factor, too. Yes, absolutely. So we will see. We'll talk a little NFL coming up. We've got some rookie draftees props up on the board here at BetMGM as the Lombardi line rolls on here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Presented by BetMGM, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. And we want to talk a little NFL. The uh, marquee rookies that were drafted in the recent NFL draft, they're already up on the board with some proposition bets that you can have at. And uh, we'll take a look. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, of course, the number one and number two picks in the draft going to the Jaguars and New York Jets, respectively. Under over props on passing yards, touchdowns and interceptions. You've got Trevor Lawrence at 4,000. 199 and a half yards. It's a pick 'em if you want to go over or under, minus 110 either way. Passing touchdowns at 22 and a half, and the over is a minus 130 favorite, plus 110 on the under. And interceptions at 14 and a half for Wilson. Numbers are a little lower as far as yards passing, 38.75 and a half. The touchdowns at 20 and a half, and the interceptions down a little lower as well at 13 and a half. And obviously, this is very early, West. But are there any numbers that you can kind of make an angle out of or make a storyline that would maybe make sense per the teams that they were drafted by on some of these bets that they're offering? Well, I'll start up top with Lawrence. And you got to think that that total is being pushed higher because the Jaguars defense, which was the strength of the team a few years ago, is being rebuilt. So you got to think, okay, this team's going to be behind a little bit. So Mm -hmm. they're going to be throwing the ball. Now, Lawrence does have a decent trio of receivers with DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, the Colorado Buffalo. So he's got some decent receivers there. Also, Urban Meyer, who knows how he's going to coach differently in the NFL than in college, but he's not bashful about using his quarterback historically in terms of running the ball a little bit. So you got to think Lawrence, who, by the way, is a very good athlete. He's not a statue back there in the pocket. He's probably going to have to scramble three or four times a game, you you would think. So that's going to give him some rushing attempts. So I didn't really know what to make of these of these numbers in terms of the passing yards. I think he's got he he elevates some guys around him, obviously with Chark Jones and Chenault, and then of course you have James Robinson, who's now going to have a dual threat in the backfield with Travis Etienne, who they can use both these guys in the passing game. And Carlos Hyde, too. Yeah, so those numbers I don't think are absurd when you look at them. It's like, oh, man, 4,200 yards for a rookie. It used to be like 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 the league leader would have 4,200 yards back in the day, and now you got a guy who probably you're looking at middle of the road at 4,200 yards, so... I haven't really been able to get there in terms of Lawrence. Now, on the Zach Wilson side for the Jets, 
I know you and I both still are not totally sold on Zach Wilson. And if you look at the quarterbacks taken number two overall in the past decade, you're talking Rob RG3, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, Mitchell Trubisky. Carson Wentz had a couple really good seasons early on, but a lot of these guys never really found any consistency. I think Wilson is a talented passer with a really good arm, but the jump in play in terms of the competition level because BYU, because of COVID-19, BYU, we never really got to see Zach Wilson against the really good teams because they had had a monster schedule of Power 5 opponents that all went away because of COVID-19. So you're having to see BYU play like Texas San Antonio Mm -hmm. and Western Kentucky and Troy. So, okay, you're going to put big numbers against some of those teams, but can you do it at at this level? And I'm just not sold yet. I'm not going to be one of those guys that are going to have the hot take of the moment and say, Zach Wilson's a bust, because no. I don't know that. No. And I know that they have Mekhi Becton. They also drafted uh, uh, the, uh, I think the USC kid, was it Barrett yes. Tucker yes. in the first round? So they're trying to upgrade that offensive line. Receiving core is Corey Davis, Denzel Milms, Jamison Crowder. Solid core, not exactly elite, but to me, at least at first glance, I'm not saying to go bet this. Boy, that passing yards, that kind of seems high. Well, you make a good point about the offensive line. It should be very good with Becton and uh, Elijah Vera. Um, was it Elijah Vera Tucker? Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, and that's going to help Zach Wilson a lot. But you also talk about uh, the competition that this guy played at BYU, and he comes in with a lot of swagger. Pretty, mm-hmm. co- you know, I mm-hmm. think it could be a little bit of a rude awakening. Right, might knock his ego down a couple of notches and I may look to the over on the number of interceptions there. And, yeah, and again, I can I, certainly see that because the AFC East defenses are better than you're going to are better than UTSA and Troy yeah. and and all of a sudden it's like, "Whoa, this is a little different than I expected or yeah. something." And and he throws six picks in the first 3 weeks or something. And, I'm not going to bet this because we're just trying to formulate an angle on what we think might happen here. It's a little early for me to get involved in this heavily. I had season tickets for Peyton Manning's rookie year when he threw 30 interceptions. So 13 (laughs) and a half doesn't seem like that many. It'll be a very successful year for Mr. Wilson. We'll come back and talk with Steve Mackinan, the editor of Point Spread Weekly. Keep it here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Races are in high gear, and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges as the regular seasons wind down. Beeson hockey expert Andy McNeil is tracking all the NHL action, and our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops in sights. Every night, they're looking at the teams who are tanking and which, squ- uh, which squads are playing to save their playoff lives and to find the best bets on the board. Our experts and the entire Beeson team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet, including our 24-7 video coverage, odds, and analysis for every
every game at vsin.com. Our daily members-only best bet emails and in-depth coverage of every major event in Point Spread Weekly. Now's the time to cash in on the push to the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at vsin.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you inside the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Time to talk a little Point Spread Weekly mentioned there in the promo and time to bring on the editor Steve Mackinnon as we do at this time every Wednesday. Good morning to you, Steve. And I want to talk about an article that appears in this week's edition regarding the NFL draft. And I thought it was really cool how you kind of took this different perspective that we really don't see anywhere else. And we are inundated with people grading the draft, whether it's radio shows or in print, what have you. People, you know, this team got an A, this team got a C, this team got a B plus. And, and do we really know that? And you took your article here and went back and, of course, like you do with everything, crunched the numbers and came out with the systems and, and found some results and how these grades kind of came to fruition later on down the road. Tell us about uh, your findings and the piece you did there for this week. All right. Well, thanks for having me on again, guys. Uh, the, the piece, uh, you know, it's it's fascinating to me uh, how much time and dedication uh, these experts spend on analyzing these drafts when uh, the truth is the players are analyzed before they'll be analyzed for the next two to three years. So in essence, you think it's mostly just going to be a guess. Uh, so last year when we were down uh, without having the daily sports at this time, I thought, hey, why don't I go back and look at this particular subject to see if the, these predictive grades uh, actually amount to anything as far as uh, the results of the teams on the field. And it's fairly interesting. I've, I've, I have found that they are the grades are fairly predictive as long as they don't maybe over guess uh, so the extremes if you get the a plus uh those 10 those teams have tended to actually drop uh in the next year to three year window uh the teams that get their low grades the c minuses and such those teams actually tended to improve over the next uh one to three year window so uh overall they've been pretty good pretty predictive with the uh, results but uh again it's been fascinating to me and, and that's the thing, and you made a good point, Steve, in terms of when we do the draft, we always grade it immediately when we really should be grading it like four years from now. Okay, that's when the grades, we know what these draft classes are going to be. So a very interesting piece in PSW, also your strength rankings for the NBA. Brady and I were talking NBA at the top of the hour. You still have the Utah Jazz, number one in terms of your personal power ratings. Brooklyn Nets right behind as the top team in the East. A little bit lower on Phoenix here. You've got Phoenix third behind the Clippers here in the West. Phoenix, we've mentioned, they're going for this number one seed. They've made their intention clear, and them in Utah are tied at the top. What do you think the ceiling is for Phoenix? Because it seems like the market is kind of like, okay, I'm from Missouri. you got to show me here on this Phoenix team who just doesn't have a lot of playoff experience. Yeah, it's very interesting, Wes. Uh, hey, good to have you on the show. I, I've, uh, I've missed uh, being on shows with you lately. My Both my golf guys in one spot at one time. Love it. <laughs> uh, but hey, Phoenix, interestingly enough, I, I do a thing every week where I run through the entire number crunch in the season, and Phoenix is the only team that I haven't had to downgrade below a, a, a positive number for injuries they've basically been healthy all season long so what you see is what you get with phoenix 
there's not much. And, and, and if you look at my uh, effective strength ratings, they're number seven. Their recent ratings, they're number eight. My betting uh, ratings, which is basically how the market views them, they're seventh. So it's basically telling you across the board that this team's looked at maybe a, a upper quarter team of the league, but not a, uh, like a finals contender. Steve, let's talk about your article in uh, involving Major League Baseball and, and a good story there. You got to go to a game finally. Uh, obviously, we weren't able to go to games last season, and now it's a limited capacity, but uh, good for you. And, and, of course, like you do, Steve, while you're sitting there watching a baseball game, the wheels start turning and you start crunching numbers, and you came up with uh, some systems there for starting pitchers versus the opponent. Tell us about this article. Yeah, I was actually on my way to the game that day, and it kind of hit me. I remember doing this piece in the past, and I think, man, uh, Eric Lauer really has his way with the Dodgers. And uh, Council had named Eric Lauer as the uh, Brewers starter pretty late on uh, on Thursday, and I thought, well, this isn't going to be as bad of a matchup as I thought, so I decided to get behind it like like any home team fan does when they're going to the game, uh, place a wager on it. And it turned out to uh, it Lauer pitched great. The Brewers won that game, so it was a pleasant experience, but uh, you will find that particular match of Lauer versus the Dodgers as the top ROI uh, starting pitcher versus opponent matchup on my 31 um, matchup list this week. So he's actually produced 132.5% return on investment against the Dodgers in his last eight starts. But uh, there's 30 more of those great matchups. I lined up the schedule for this year, so we're Betters can follow it along, maybe mark their calendars uh, to look for these particular opportunities. Steve, Goodyear 400 this weekend. Darlington gets its second date. Uh, they only had one date in the fall for many years. Gets a second cup date here Mother's Day weekend. Finally, the track that's too tough to tame, that being Darlington down in South Carolina. Uh, a dual race last year, obviously, due to the COVID-19 schedule. Kevin Harvick won the first one. Danny Hamlin won the second one. And looking at your ratings this week, Brad Kozlowski, by the way, going to be on the poll who you have him rated number four. But your top of the heap are the two winners from last year, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Yeah, I think anytime you you think, you think of uh, Darlington, the, the track is the too tough to tame, as they call it. You look for the veteran uh, proven guys that have been there, that have raced this track best, and Harvick and Hamlin tend to be that. I would group Martin Truex in there, too. Uh, he's got a good shot here. And then Chase Elliott, I think that'll be as far as I would go with it beyond uh, the, fo the four guys you mentioned. So uh, exciting race here at Darlington. A very tough handicapping trick. I give it only a C plus. So uh, be careful, but uh, it should be one to enjoy. Well, thank you as always, Mr. Mackinnon. We appreciate it. And I got to come clean. I'm rooting against your Brewers today. I'm on the Phillies. Oh, no. Brewers lost three in a row here. Maybe you're in a good spot. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you again next week, Steve. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. All right, sounds good, guys. All right, that is Steve Mackinnon. Check out Point Spread Weekly. If you're not a subscriber, go to vsin.com slash subscribe. Sign up for a free 10-day trial here at vsin, the sports betting network.
Join the sports betting excitement with BetMGM and you can win $100 for a $1 wager on either the Bucks or the Wizards to hit a three-pointer. Just use the bonus code VSIN100 and get in the ring with the king of sports books so that you can turn game time into showtime. Simply download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details. Use the promo code VSIN100. It's a new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or Virginia, and West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan dissociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, 800-889-9789. And 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. The promotional offer is not available in Nevada. Final segment of the Lombardi line here on a Wednesday. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you live from the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. Before we pass the baton to Mike Palm and Amal Shah down at the Circa Resort and Casino for the Nuts. And there's three baseball games on the card for your Wednesday, West that we did not get to in the opening portion of the show. And I will start at Petco Park, Southern California. A couple low-scoring games so far between the Pirates and the Padres. Two to nothing on Monday in favor of the Padres. And then those pesky Pirates won the game two to one on Tuesday. And they will go to game three, a rubber match tonight in Petco. This is one of the final games on your Wednesday card. You Darvish on the hill for the Padres facing JT Brubaker and Darvish and the Friars are a big favorite here. Minus 245 and a low total. Once again, that's the theme of the day. Just six and a half in this one. Brady, over the break here, we were talking about some of the bad bullpens and very few good bullpens so far this season in Major League Baseball, but you've got two of them right here with the Pirates and the Padres. Uh, Let me give you some numbers on one. Richard Rodriguez from the Pittsburgh Pirates. 23 consecutive score appearances. Guy is not allowed to run since August 29th of 2020. Wow. And he's retired 28 straight batters. No one has reached base against Richard Rodriguez since April 12th, 2001. So he has been very good. Him and Cal Crick have not allowed a run over 21 and a third combined innings. And they've had solid options here in the bullpen. The XFIP 391, 361 on the ERA. So they've been very good. Padres, of course, you mentioned one of the better bullpen in the league maybe have been used a little too much yeah. to start the yeah. season and that could be a concern but perhaps not tonight though if you Darvish uh, you Darvish is maybe somebody can go deep in the game here against a Pirates team that's just not very potent at the plate so this is a little bit of a subpar lineup you Darvish probably does not have to go with this fastball a lot tonight so he can go against you know, with the sliders, with the off-speed stuff. And you mentioned that San Diego bullpen, 330 on the XFIP, 282 on the ERA. Tops in the league in both categories, by the way. And I, I just think you've got such a weak Pittsburgh lineup that you, Darvish, maybe could go six or seven tonight and not have to really tax that bullpen all that much. Uh, Padres lineup, actually, despite the fact that they've got some talent up there, it's going to produce soon, but it has not really produced all that much. It's been fairly pedestrian to start the season. They only have four of their consistent starters that actually hit above the league average, and Brubaker is not a guy that really walks a lot of guys. He's been very solid this season. Brubaker relies a lot on the slider, so trying to get San Diego on some off-speed pitches, so you might get some swings and misses for the Padres. So 
Six and a half, I know, is a low total. It's a little bit small juice to the under right now, but that'd be the only way I could go here, even though you've already had two games go to the under. You're thinking, okay, now this one is going to go over, but I think Darvish goes deep in the game tonight, so I'd lean to the under in this spot. Yeah, Darvish has really been good in his last two starts, and uh, speaking to the under, just five runs combined scored between these two teams in the last two games on Monday and Tuesday. Six and a half, your total for tonight. Brubaker against uh, you, Darvish. The Rays and the Angels. This one will go at 638 Pacific, 938 Eastern. Kittredge versus uh, Shohei Otani. And Los Angeles has dropped three in a row, and they now trail Oakland in the American League West by four and a half games. The Tampa Bay Rays have won three straight. They've moved into a tie for second place with the Yankees, still two and a half games back of the Boston Red Sox in the AL East. Otani and the Angels are favored here on the road to, or excuse me, at home tonight, minus 125 with a total of eight and a half. Kittredge is going to be an opener for the Rays, probably going to go like an inning and a third, maybe as most as two innings at this standpoint, and then kind of one of those famous Tampa Bay Rays bullpen starts really under Kevin Cash. Anthony Rendon, questionable tonight to be in the lineup for the Angels. He had just got back off the injured list, so uh, we shall see if he's going to miss any extended time. Yeah, the Halos have been struggling lately. The A's or the Rays got him last night with uh, McClanahan, a very young starter for them, and Angels weren't able to take advantage. They got shut down by and large. You're seeing the under get bet. It was nine, now down to eight and a half. That's obviously through a key number. I don't necessarily disagree with that move. Otani got scratched from that start the other day. So what you're worried about here in terms of Otani, and especially like if you look at the MVP odds, obviously, if he produces good pitching numbers, then you're going to give it to him because he's a two-way player in an era that doesn't have two-way players. But if if it's not working out on the mound, Joe Madden is going to say, okay, we got to just go with this guy at the plate here and keep him healthy. So Ray's getting a little bit of a trickle of money. I think the price is about right. It's a pass for me. This guy's like a, a novelty character, like a Paul Bunyan or mm-hmm. something. I mean, he throws 100 miles an hour and he hits home runs. You know, he's just a phenomenon and yes. really something to watch. It's kind of must-see TV, if anything, whether he goes on to win MVP or this and that and the other. Certainly worth watching by By the way, the Chicago White Sox and the Cincinnati Reds really breezing through this game. Great pitching efforts by both Sonny Gray and Dallas We like quick games when we're on the under, Brady. So, so (laughs) far, so good here. Top of the fifth, one out. Sonny Gray strikes out another batter. So, pitchers aren't deep in the pitch counts right now. And... Go in and, and try to extend these guys, obviously, to keep this bullpen, especially that Reds bullpen. Uh, yeah, every time I look up, Sonny Gray striking somebody else out. He's been on fire. Well, you don't want that Reds bullpen to go the distance on the basis of what we've seen so far this season. Each team with only one hit so far. Again, a scoreless game, 0-0 in the top of the fifth inning there between the Reds and the White Sox. Wrapping up the Wednesday baseball card, it'll be the Blue Jays at the Athletics, 640 Pacific, 940 Eastern, Robbie Ray versus Chris Bassett. Oakland has won three in a row, and they will try and guarantee a series victory today as short favorites in the Oco here at BetMGM. It's minus 122 with a total of eight. 
Yeah, Robbie Ray going for the Toronto Blue Jays or the Dunedin or Dunedin Blue Jays, if you will, because that's their home turf this season. Walks still up a little bit for Robbie Ray, still giving up three and a half walks per nine innings. That's always kind of the the bugaboo for him is that he just puts too many guys on. Now, there are some outings he'll, he'll deceive you where it'll be like he'll have 12 or 13 strikeouts too. So he can really get you, get you there, but his strikeout rate is actually down this year, 7.9 four strikeouts per nine innings. He's usually about 11 per nine innings. So that's a very precipitous drop for Robbie Ray. And then I talked about the walk ratio, the home run per fly ball rate, 17.4%. He's managed to strand a bunch of runners. And I don't know if that's going to be sustainable this year. 93 and a half percent right now is a strand rate. And you get the Oakland A's against left-handed starter. If you go back to the 2019 season with the Oakland A's, 54 and 20 against a left-handed starter. That is astounding wow. number, 73%. I just saw this uh, in doing research today. I was like, my God, really? Because you often, you know, with baseball being so day-to-day, you can only pay attention to so much. And I, I just kind of noticed that. And Oakland uh, now uh, on a three-game winning streak. Oakland has been so up and down. They were so bad the first week and a half, and then they won 13 in a row. And somebody made the comment to me like, you know, Oakland really hasn't been playing that well despite winning 13 in a row. <laughs> and it just seemed kind of absurd. I was like, well, they won 13 in a row. So, you know, they're they're doing okay. And then the steak kind of, is decent other than tasting fantastic. Yes, ex- exactly. Uh, the seasoning's a problem, I guess. But uh, <laughs> you look at Chris Bassett. His numbers are obviously better in the OCO, more of a pitcher's park. 278 ERA at home, 451 on the road. The home run per nine ratio is a lot better in Oakland, more of a pitcher's park, 0.52 versus 1.33 on the road. So... I would lean here with Oakland. I just, uh, against left-handed pitching, they're so good. Robbie Ray is so erratic. Now, this seems like kind of a small number at minus 120. It does, doesn't it? You would have thought maybe it'd be like a buck 35 or a buck 40 when you look at how Oakland hits left-handed pitching. So that kind of gives me a little bit of pause, but... Robbie Ray is just one of those guys I don't have luck with. When when I when I have him or I bet him, he walks about five or six guys. When I don't have him and I'm against him, he'll strike out about 12 or 13. So as of right now, it's a pass, but the lean certainly would be Oakland. Price gives me a little bit of a concern, though. Well, Sonny Gray did not strike out the side, but he did strike out two of the three batters he faced there in the top of the fifth inning. The game remains scoreless. The final batter to face him was Dallas Keuchel, his opponent on the bump today. Keuchel will go back to the mound again and pitch to the Reds as they come to the plate in the bottom of the fifth. And I believe that is seven strikeouts already for Sonny Gray West. Yeah, and I mentioned uh, 11 strikeouts against the Los Angeles Dodgers last time out. So that's why I did like the Reds and the under at this standpoint. Dallas Keuchel has not been bad so far. Just four innings and just one hit. No strikeouts, though. Mentioned hmm. Keuchel's numbers were low. Strikeouts per nine innings. I think it was under four and a half. He had has already walked to. I think Keiko is really regressing if you look at his numbers year to year. Sonny Gray got off to a bad start, but only one hit and one walk versus seven strikeouts. So obviously a good start for the Reds, and I believe Sonny Gray, the pitch count through five innings, only 67. So if they can get him maybe through seven and not have to put that bullpen out there, it's been beat around this year. That's a good thing for the Red Legs. Yeah, really good. Reds did go off as 
a small favorite here at home today after getting blanked by the White Sox on Tuesday, 9 to nothing. That's going to do it for this edition of the Lombardi Line. We throw it now down to Circa, our friends at the Circa Resort and Casino in fabulous downtown Las Vegas for the nuts. Mike Palm and Amal Shaw coming up next right here on v the Sports Betting Network.